the basis of the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel is God came, became, uh, God became a human being, represented us all. So when Jesus was obedient, He obeyed on behalf of the whole world. Now that is something to wrap your mind around. Uh, we can easily believe that Adam disobeyed on behalf of the whole world and we accept the unrighteousness that came through the disobedience of Adam as a free gift easily. So the gospel is to be persuaded that the righteousness of God is now given as a free gift to every man through the obedience of Jesus on behalf of every man. The word righteousness comes from a Hebrew word which means scale. You know, for those of you here for the first time. It means scale. Or to weigh up to the, to the, to the standard of God. So when God came and made, brought righteousness on earth, it means God was in heaven and He was much holier than what we were. So He was like pushing the scale over to God's side by far. And there was only dust in this side of the scale that can never weigh up to the standard of God. So God said, how can I make this dust, called humans, way up to my standard? And He said, the easiest way is, if I can incarnate myself into that dust, then the Father will be in heaven, and the Spirit, which is also God, will be inside this mud people, which are human beings. And the moment the Holy Spirit came into a human being, then man and God, Weighed, I mean, balanced each, each other out because it was God in man and God in heaven having the same holiness. So holiness is given to us as a free gift. My goodness. <laughs> That's good news. You know, I've preached that 25,000 times, but every time I say that, it feels so good. <laughs> holiness is a gift, it cannot be measured by my works is measured by one act of obedience on my behalf. So my holiness is defined in Jesus. That's why Paul writes in Colossians 3 verse 1, he says, let's look at Jesus who is our life. We don't have any other life but the life of Jesus. So we cannot, uh, um, and, and that's what's so beautiful what the Bible says, it says when we look into the perfect law of liberty, the law that says, or the rule that says, we have been a hundred percent liberated from works righteousness, and we receive holiness as a free gift. When you look into that law, holiness as a free gift, the Bible says, you look as in a mirror. And who do you see in a mirror? You see yourself. So God came and made man holy. There was a time when Jesus said, the time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Why didn't He say the Son of God? But the Son of Man. For He came so that man, in hum human beings, can receive the very holiness and glory of God. As a free gift. There was Jesus, I think it's in John 16, he, he, he preached, they, they said, now we believe what you say. Jesus said, do you believe? He, they said, yes. He says, now the time has come that the Son of Man, or mankind, can be glorified. So that we can be delivered from this curse of works righteousness to a place where we can live by faith. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the simplicity of the gospel. Now, like I said, I want to preach on... on um, on marriage tonight.
let's go with, with that as a foundation. Let's go to Ephesians 5 verse 23. Now, many people, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to uh, uh, sexual immorality and those type of things, have been so condemned because of what has happened. Now, first thing that I want to say is, I'm married for 16 years now, and I'm not planning on getting divorced. Okay? I'm happier married now than the day when I got married. I'm more in love with my wife now than where I was in, in, the, in the first week of marriage. And I, I can say that with an honest heart, not lying. You know, when I, uh, um, I, I mean, I was, I came home today, I think I phoned her five times. You know? I, I, I love her. She becomes more beautiful to me every day. I love her so much. So I am not for divorce. But what I, what I'm, what I want to talk about is there needs to be deliverance in the minds of people that has been going or that has been divorced because they feel so condemned you know and people that has been maybe committing some sexual sins and stuff you know because we've made a God out of that thing we've made a God out of marriage it is like the biggest sin if you would get divorced and then you can never again be restored basically it's like there's always a thing that hangs over you. Now, I want to say this. If you got divorced, and people know about that, just a practical thing in this world, even people that got divorced will judge you and put you in a certain category because they put themselves even in that category. You know, that, that, that's, that's the way it is. When it comes to church, you'll find people will put you in a certain category. Like I, sp- I spoke to a pastor in, um, in Tanzania and he said to me, you know, if you're a pastor in that area and you've been divorced, you can never preach again. All your life. It's over. For the rest of your life. When I preached in, the, uh, um, in North America, New York, uh, there were Indian people that invited me there. There were other grace preachers that they wanted to invite, but they said they can't have them for they've been divorced 20 years ago. And people will not, uh, will not listen to them. Now, maybe the wife just left it. You know? How do you know who's guilty, who isn't guilty? But that happened. That, 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 that happened. And now people sit with this thing in their heart of condemnation and judgment. Now, we need to get rid of that by just putting that thing in perspective. Now, when I got this revelation on, on marriage from the grace perspective, I can really say it strengthened my, my marriage. It brought even more of respect for my wife, more of love for her, more of, uh, 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 how can I say, an adoration for her. I looked at her in a completely different way. You know, so I, I believe this is really going to strengthen those that are married, going to help those that want to get married, and those that got divorced, you're going you, to be free from your condemnation. Right, Ephesians 5.23. It says, wives, I read from the message. It says, wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church. Not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ and exercise, um, as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. 
Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving and not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. Dressing her in dazzling, dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness, and that is how husbands ought to treat their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. No one abuses his own body, does he? No, he feeds and pampers it. That's how Christ treats us, the church, since we are part of his body. And this is why a man leaves father and mother and cherishes his wife. No longer two, they become one flesh. This is a huge mystery, and I don't pretend to understand it all. What is clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church. And this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife. Loving himself, uh, loving himself in loving her. And how each wife is to honor her husband. Now, in the King James it also says that this whole thing about marriage is a mystery. And it actually says, when when you look at a marriage, it talks about something that's hidden. Which is Christ and the church. So marriage is actually just a shadow of the substance. That's all it is. That is it. When Paul uh, teaches about marriage, he does not use the law. He uses Christ. Even in Romans 7, we're going to have a look at that. He talks about how, the, how Christ has marries, how God married mankind in Jesus Christ. That's what he talks about. So this is all a shadow. Now, this is very important to understand. Because... The shadow cannot, you cannot be judged according to the shadow in the New Testament before God. Like baptism, for instance. What is baptism all about? Baptism, can baptism save you? No. But what is baptism a sign of? That we've died and that we rose again with Christ. Okay, so why are we baptized in a certain way? We are baptized in a certain way because we say, when Jesus died, we died with Him. The law man has died. When He rose again, He was raised by the Holy Spirit, not to live by the law, but by the Holy Spirit. And we are raised with Him in newness of life. So now we are baptized in that way. Now, if you are not baptized, can it cause you to go lost if you believe in Jesus? No ways. Baptism cannot save you, neither can baptism cause you to lose your salvation. Because it's a shadow of the real thing. In the same way, marriage is just a shadow of the real thing. And you cannot be judged before God by the shadow. I mean, I haven't heard that being preached before. But I read that. So if I come with a shadow, now, now there are people, you got divorced sometime. But we've made the marriage the substance of life before God. And that kills people. If I, I wrote it down here um, this afternoon, I said, uh, Colossians 2 verse 17 says that these Old Testament things, in which marriage was also given, was just a shadow of the things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Now I said your punishment of the shadow 
is not to understand what the shadow stands for, even if it's done perfectly. Punishment of the, the punishment that comes through the shadow is not understanding what it stands for, even if you do it perfectly. So you can live a wonderful, 100% perfect marriage. Love your wife, love your kids. Do the thing right, you know. You make it here for your vrouw work. You fight your kind school too. You do everything right. But if you don't understand the shadow of what it is portraying, that marriage is actually, it, it, the only benefit of that marriage is for your kids that get raised in a stable house. And that's it. Okay, so I'm going to do this in two parts. In, next Sunday I'm going to talk about First uh, Corinthians 7 where Paul talks about all those marriage things, who, who gets married, who doesn't get married, what happens if a husband, the wife divorces and all those type of things. I, I want to just lay a foundation in this one. So there is some practical good things, you know. I mean, uh, um, even people that are not Christians, that are, get married on the age of 25 and they stay married until they're 90, you know, and they love each other, will have a stable house, kids will grow up in a stable house, they will love each other, there will be a lot of benefits in that. Now what has happened is we've taken those benefits and made that the gospel. You cannot make that the gospel, because there are people that are going to get divorced. There are people where the husband's going to beat the wife. There's going to be people where, where the one party sleeps around so much that the other one gets AIDS. There's practical things like that in church. And how are those people going to experience the love of God? For they need to experience the gospel of grace as well. You know, because they've been going through tough times. Because what has been preached is a law message about marriage. Now, marriages have been kept together by willpower. And now it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It falls apart. Because I shall just love her. Now, let's talk about uh, pastors now. You know, and church leaders. Well, I'm not going to get divorced for my, my, my ministry sake. Some business people, high up in business. I'm not going to get divorced for business deal sake. See, you know. I get you all for and for tell. The woman is 105. And the auntie is 103. They come in court, they're getting divorced now. They've been married since they've been 16. <laughs> so why are you getting divorced? I mean, the judge first thing says, Well, Tani, man, you're 105, she's 103, why are you getting divorced? So now we waited for the children to die. <laughs> so they were together, but not on a revelation of grace. Marriage has been designed for people who believe grace. That's what it's actually for. It functions from that platform. It cannot function from any other platform. Any other platform it is two people liking each other and this one meets my needs and I meet her needs. And when we do that, then we are together and we form a house where we actually co-dependent on each other. But when we start to understand grace... There's a completely different dynamics that start to work in our marriage. Because we start, the moment I know that th this marriage that I'm in is a sign. It is something that talks about my union with Christ. Like baptism and like the communion. 
I mean, can you, can you, if, if, I mean, if you take the communion, if you don't take communion, there are people that never know about the communion. I haven't taken communion here in a very long time. Are we going to go to hell for that? No. But if we don't know what the communion is about, which is that His blood flowed for us, that His body was broken for us, that can bring destruction to your life. But the shadow can never bring destruction to your life. Not understanding what the shadow is about can bring destruction your life. So, what is this all about? Marriage is all about a sign or or, or a a shadow of our union with Christ. You know, when I look at my wife now, I look at her, and when I see her, I see how God sees me. The moment I look at her, I, I don't look... And you know, the moment this thing started to really get deep into my heart... That what we are here busy with is not keeping to a contract that we've signed 16 years ago. Because that's death, man. No, well, we together because 16 years ago, it ek geswier. Ek het beloofe voor getuies. And God hates divorce. I don't know why, but He hates divorce. So I'm going to stay married... And I'm going to stick out with my wife. And, and I'm going to stick out with my husband because God hates divorce. And I don't want to be part of anything God hates. Because I've got enough trouble with this wife of mine. I don't need God also to be angry with me. So I, 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 and we are scared because there's something very holy about marriage. And everybody knows that. You know, when... Even the unsafe people, they know that there's just something sacred about being married. Because in that thing is a mystery, which Paul says, I don't even know all of that. But what I do know is how we are in unity with Christ, and that, this marriage is a picture of that. Hallelujah. So when I look at Helena, I look at her and I see her the way Jesus sees me. You know, the moment I started to see it that way, I say, but when I talk to her, when I want to do something for her, and I've got this thing in mind, this is a picture of Christ dealing with me. There's another power by which I speak. It's a difference between being baptized and going for a swim. That's the difference in power. If you, I mean, you've been in, in a swimming pool and you just went under and you came out. You know, who this like a coat. And that was it. And then there were people here that got baptized. There's a different connection to that. This has no, got nothing to do with swimming. This, has got, this is a reference to, to reality. And when I do that, there's something completely different. I, I experience the presence of God. I experience His finished work, you know, because I'm going through this, because the reference is Christ. Now when it comes to marriage, what's my reference? My reference now is Christ. That is why I think a marriage, it's very difficult for a marriage to really work as it was intended for, without understanding the gospel of grace. You need to understand that. 
You don't understand. The same with my wife. When she, when she looks at me, she thinks of Jesus and her relationship with Christ. And with this, what we are busy with now, is a shadow or uh, yeah, a shadow of the true thing. If I make a mistake here, it doesn't change the true thing. It doesn't. I remember when I was baptized the first time. I was baptized many times. You know, I was hungry for God. I want to do everything right, you know. First time, I, I was as a baby. Then I went to be baptized, was baptized in the Achies. I thought they were going to put me down once. They put me down three times. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> now, do you think that I'm going to now go to hell because I didn't obey the shadow correctly? I've been put down under three times in the RGS baptism and not like the folly of Angeli once. The shadow does not determine my salvation. In the same way does marriage not determine your salvation or your blessedness before God or your righteousness. For it is a shadow. You might say, well, Bertie, but now you're going to give people a license to get divorced. Have you ever asked people that got divorced, where's your license to get divorced? They divorce because they want to. That's why they get divorced. I don't want anybody to be divorced. I don't want anybody to, to separate or anything like that. But I want to tell you, there's a different dynamic that I've discovered here in marriage. When I look at my children, all of a sudden I see my fruit. When I look at them, every time I see them run, I see the joy. I see how easy it was to, to see that they come into this world. It was effortless. It's no effort. I mean, my, I'm healthy, my wife is healthy. <laughs> so it was no effort. You know, the first two we didn't even plan. It just happened. You know, the last one was planned. But, I mean, it, it just happens. And now they are there, and I see how much effort I will put in to keep them growing. I see, they don't put in effort to grow. I put in the effort. So now I'm seeing Christ, and the bride, and the fruit. I didn't tell her, produce fruit. I know she cannot produce fruit by herself. It's impossible. And I know that I cannot produce fruit without her. So all of a sudden there's something brand new here. This is a type and a shadow of the real thing. So I want to say to those people that got divorced, uh, those people that want to get divorced, get the gospel of grace, you know, grab a hold of that, get that into your heart, get your wife or your husband as well, do as much effort to get this message in, into the hearts of grace, and from there it can be healed. Okay? It can be healed. Those who have been divorced, I want to tell you, man, get rid of all condemnation. Because what you had was just a shadow. Now, there are certain shadows that's got different consequences. So, I can be married, if, if, if I uh, uh, would get divorced now, it will definitely mean a great damage to my ministry. For sure. My kids will cry. My heart will be broken. People will be disappointed. Many people will be hurt. There will be instability in the hearts of my kids. 
in my heart, in my wife's, in people around me. And I mean, it will go on for a year or two or whatever. And then people will always think, oh, that grace preacher that got divorced for the rest of my life. That's the consequences of getting divorced. So I'm not saying if you get divorced, there will not be consequences. There will be severe consequences. And that you must know. It's like, the, the, like this one joke. The, the one lady, the, the lady said to the husband, my, your kids and my kids are fighting with our kids. <laughs> you know? We, we don't want that. That's not what we want. But if you have been divorced, I want to tell you that it was just a shadow. And don't, as much as what you are not, don't feel, as much as you don't feel condemned by not slaughtering a lamb today. That's how little you have to walk with condemnation today. That you've been divorced. I'm talking about condemnation between you and God. You might still feel condemnation from your children or from this one or a neighbor or whatever. But identify that as people's condemnation. But the greatest condemnation people's been living with is condemnation between them and God. Okay. Right, let's go to Matthew. Matthew 19 verse 3. Now just look at the shadow here. And, and, and I'm just going to go through one or two of these shadows. It says, The Pharisees came unto him, tempting him, saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Now I like what the, the NIV says, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any or every reason? So they could just divorce for any, any one of the ten, or if they break every one. Is it lawful for a man to do that? Now listen to what happens here. And Jesus answered said unto them, Have you not read that, that, which, um, that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they, the two shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more uh, two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Now we take that as a commandment and say, you know, I shall now stay with my wife. Which is a good thing. And this is the type and the shadow Jesus talks about. But what is he actually talking about? What they were actually asking in the mind of Jesus was, can Jesus just divorce, can God just divorce a human being for any or every reason? Can God for any or every reason just put away people because they've done something wrong. That's what he was asking. That's the type and the shadow. And that's what I want to tell you. We, if you believe in Jesus, you've been married to Christ. And you are not going to be divorced for any or every reason. He's not going to divorce you. He's not going to leave you. For God has made the two one. And let no one Divorce the two. For God says that God and man became one flesh. And God has made man and God one in the God-man Jesus Christ. 
and we are represented there and we are in that unity. So God's not going to divorce you tomorrow. Ik meen as jou vrou morgen die schorrel goed nie was nie, skye jy ja. Nee. But now what we have done is, you know, she doesn't wash the, the dishes, or she doesn't do this, or doesn't do that, and now you come and you say, well, um, for the kids' sake. You know, or I'll keep down my temper. Instead of having the revelation of, well, if she hasn't done that, I am an exact representation here of what has happened in heaven. God's not going to divorce me for any and every reason. And I know I'm not going to divorce her for this. Maybe I'll talk to her about it, but I'm not going to divorce her. In the same way, and that's because God has decided that man and a man and a wife will come together and they'll be one flesh. So I want to say to you that are married now. If maybe you've been divorced three times, but you're married now. Start to see your marriage not as something that you are going to try to make work for the third time. Start to see this now in the perspective of what it is there for. It is to portray what has happened between God and man. Making the two one. And the moment you, you see it that way, you'll find a different dynamics and a different power in your relationship with your husband or your wife. I felt it. I mean, I, 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 there's a difference between being married for 20 years and being happily married for 20 years. I can honestly say I've been happily married for 16 years. But as I saw this, there was a different dynamics that came into my marriage. It was not Bertie just loving Helena. Because it's easy to love her. So, for me, it, it's not difficult to love. It's easy to love her. She's fun to be around with. She likes laughing. She's beautiful. And all those things. You can love... There are people that can just love each other. Without God even in the thing. Not that I say God was not in it. God was in it. But, when I start to realize this, and I started to live from that perspective... Like I said, the way I look at my fruit, I provide for the fruit to become strong and healthy and produce more fruit. How I treat her, how I see her, I will not just divorce her. This is a picture of, 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 of God and us. And I know this is a shadow. I know this is a shadow. And the holiness in this thing, the word holy means to be set apart. What makes it holy is... It has been set apart to portray what is in heaven. Amen. So we're going to see the shadow thing next, uh, next Sunday in uh, 1 Corinthians 7. So what it says here uh, more deeply in, in why, why uh, Paul says, you know, if a wife separates from a husband, why she sh- should not marry another one, but rather stay separate or be joined to a husband again. There's a reason why he says that. And there's many things that he says, I, Paul, say, not the Lord. Which was practical advice on good living on the earth. Which was not the commandment of God. Which was not talking about the shadow of the real thing. Okay. Right. Let's go to Romans 7 verse 1. Just where Paul, uh, um, and we often read this on Sundays, where Paul comes and talks about marriage again. Hallelujah. 
Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know, uh, that know the law, how that the law has dominion over a man as long as what he lives. For the woman which has an husband is bound by the law to her husband for as long as he lives. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So here he says, he takes the old law, law teaching, takes the shadow and explains Christ. But what we've done is we've taken that thing that says, you shall not, if you get married to another one, while you, or, or if, if you leave your husband and you get another husband, you're an adulteress now. Saying, you're a sinner, you're going to be condemned by God, you're going to be judged by God. The same way as what we preached to people who picked up sticks on the Sunday. We cannot use that preaching towards married couples. It's wrong. Because that's the way we're going to preach to... If we don't preach on the picking up of sticks, we cannot preach in that same condemnation way concerning marriage, and we cannot preach in that same condemnation way... Uh, 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 I mean, uh, about marriage, the way we're going to preach about... Uh, not... Om nie die oste meilband wat die graan uitdoorst. You know? You're not allowed to muzzle the ox, it treads the grain, the Bible says. Paul says that was just a type and a shadow of a preacher that preaches... He says, man, if he preaches to you, give him something that he can live. It was not to say, well, there's nothing to do with oxes and nothing to do with grain. It was just a shadow. In the same way, marriage is today a, 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 a picture and a shadow that was, it was in the Old Testament talking about Christ. And in the New, it's one of the holy things we do, like communion and baptism. Marriage is a shadow of the real thing. So let's not treat it with the same condemnation as in the Old Testament and live in great condemnation all the time. The moment that stress comes off us of we don't know why God hates divorce. You know why the Bible says God hates divorce? Because He hates it if people reject Christ. Because it's the shadow of people rejecting Jesus, not believing in Jesus, and then uh, uh, their life leads to waste. And then they get married to another, which talks about being married to the law system, which destroys their lives. That's why it says, God hates divorce. Now we've come in church with very difficult arguments about, yeah, but what now, when can, uh, when can they now get divorced? Wanneer die man die vrou nou amper doodgeslaan het, kan hulle dan nou sky. And we come with all these difficult, complicated uh, reasonings. Where there's a clear guideline, next week I'm, I'm going to talk about that. There's clear guidelines on that in the Bible. And my goodness, you know, we, the, the main thing I want to talk about is, we cannot condemn people that has been divorced. We cannot do that. With the same condemnation of the Old Testament. Taking the condemnation of the shadow, putting it on people. Here Paul comes clearly and he says, this marriage thing isn't actually the big thing. He, he comes at the end of 1 Corinthians 7, he says, listen man, I want to tell you, we must get over this thing of who's married, who's not married, who's doing business, who's a slave and who's not. There's something much bigger than this, which is Christ. And this is just a shadow of that. So let's love each other. And the guidelines on how we're going to love each other is this is the picture in heaven. We are the shadow in our marriage of that. And that's how we live. The reason why I believe the, 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 the word says that we shouldn't sleep around. You know, you sleep with this guy, you sleep with that guy, you sleep with that guy. is simply because that's not what God does. 
God does not have intimacy without commitment. And marriage has been set apart for the shadow of that truth. So if you've done that, man, I want to tell you, Jesus paid for your sins, you're forgiven. But many times we don't know why God is angry with that. Or why God says, I don't like that bad sign. I don't like that. Why? Just for no reason. No, the reason is, it talks about the, the way, uh, it, it talks about something that's outside of his character. It's a shadow of how he's not. Intimacy has been set apart for talking about intimacy between God and man that produces the very fruit of God. So that's why, and now, you know, when, when we are single, we're not married, we start to realize that all of a sudden my body becomes, uh, 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 my body and, and how, I, how I behave sexually is a sign of God and people. And God came, He became one with man, committed forever. And I am a a, a, a born again Christian and I believe in the grace message of God where God will not divorce me for any and every reason. And where God doesn't abuse me. And I am just the shadow of that. And when that comes, I thank God that His Holy Spirit empowers me to live out that and portray that from the platform of God's grace. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians clearly, don't be unequally yoked. Don't go and marry an unbeliever. That is also not... I mean, what, is the, what, what shadow is that now? But if you're married to someone already that's an unbeliever, Paul says, don't seek to be unmarried. And there's many guidelines he gives there, you know, about that. But this whole condemnation thing of God judges us, you know, and, and the poor people that's been divorced, they feel so, so, so bad because God's got this thing against divorce. You know, he died for every sin except divorce. But we, because it's also in the New Testament a shadow, we have taken the condemnation of the old with it into the new, instead of just taking the punishment. The fact that it remains a shadow does not mean the condemnation of it came with through the cross. The condemnation of that ended in the cross. You know, Paul talks about people that doesn't eat food offered to idols. He says, listen, those people don't eat food offered to idols. They eat as unto the Lord. So don't condemn them. You that don't eat food offered to idols, you don't, or you that do eat food offered to idols, you eat it also as unto the Lord. Saying, well, Jesus Christ has set me free. You know, I can now eat this because the law has been fulfilled. Other people say, I will not eat that because the shadow of that is the law. I'm not going to eat anything unclean. That is works righteousness. That's what it stands for. So I'm not going to eat that. It's offered to another God. The other God talks about human efforts. So I don't want to eat that. So unto the Lord, out of this revelation of Christ, I'm not eating of that. They brought other shadows through as well. Making life very difficult. You can live exactly like a Jew right now because all those things was just types and shadows of the new. And you can continue to keep them. Which is actually a life of bondage to a great degree. But Paul calls that uh, uh, weak faith or little faith. But he didn't say it's no faith. They brought some shadows through. And the problem is, we get people today when it comes to the, 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 the feasts of unleavened bread or this feast or that feast, if we don't keep it now, because they keep it, they say we'll be condemned. Because we don't keep the feast. 
Then keep the feast. If we don't keep the feast, we're not going to be condemned. Because the condemnation of that shadow has ceased. In the same way, I want to tell you, the condemnation of, of, of divorce has ceased. It has ceased. There's no condemnation for us. You are set free today. Maybe it's the first time when you really get set free from this thing. It's tonight. But I want to tell you, you are free. It was a shadow. I don't say let's abuse the shadow. Once you're married, we, we, we say, Lord, I honor this. This is a holy thing. Amen. I see my wife the way Christ sees the church. My wife sees me the way she, 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 she sees the Lord. You know? She sees her fruit the way Christ sees. I mean, this is this whole, like Paul says, he doesn't even have all the explanations of all these things. But let's see it that way. Listen to what Paul uses here. And uh, um, he says, For a woman which has a husband is bound to the, by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband is dead, she's loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if the husband has already died, she is then free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. So here he comes, he takes the Old Testament law on marriage, and he clearly states, Listen, under the Old Testament, if you wanted to marry another guy, you couldn't marry that guy unless your husband has died. If your husband has died, you can go and marry the other guy and be, not be an adulteress. He, he states there that that was actually not talking about marriage. It was talking about Christ and the church. My goodness, I know this, this stretches your brain. But that's what he says. He says, in the very same way, we became dead to the law by the body of Christ. That we should be married to another one, even Christ, to bring forth much fruit. So what was it talking about? It was actually talking about Christ and the church. We've taken all the Old Testament shadows, you know, and taken that. No, the lamb means this, this means that, that means that, and we don't slaughter lambs anymore, we don't do it. Marriage today in the New Testament is still a shadow, and we can, because people can say, well, it's not a shadow anymore, we can live together. But Paul came and he still said that it's still a shadow today in Ephesians and in Corinthians. He clearly stated that. You know, so it was something that we still, is still in use today. But don't see it as anything more as pertaining to righteousness and condemnation, then it's just a shadow. It's just a mystery. It's hidden in this thing. Hallelujah. Can I just now leave my wife? Will Christ just divorce the church for any and every reason? No way. You know, when you think of that, and you think of your wife, you find that it's, it's as if in your brain, divorce is not an option. It, there's another power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit, I tell you. It's a difference between being baptized and going for a swim. That's a difference. Between having a married life, 
Just keep staying to your wife and living from this revelation. When I talk to her and I live from that revelation. Now I don't say I'm going to... My job on this planet is not to try and be the perfect shadow. But I know this is a shadow. Because there will be some, some wife, sometime I will tell my wife, my you know, stupid you. Who come to eat that? You know? And that will happen. But when I, when I do that, I will go and I will say I'm sorry and whatever. No, this is just part of normal life. Maybe the shadow is messed up a bit. But we didn't get divorced over that little thing. Maybe we will do something that is very foolish and Christ can come and say, why are you doing that? Don't do that. That doesn't mean we're now divorced. It's just, don't do that thing. That's not good for you. You feel in your heart you shouldn't do something, you do it. I mean, it's like in a relationship. Christ can come to you and say to you, man, that's, that's a foolish thing to do. Why do you do that? And then we feel so, we're so scared that Jesus will just say to us, why did you do that, or this, or that, or whatever, because then we feel there's separation between us and God. No, there's no separation. He's not going to divorce you for any or every reason. Hallelujah. Amen. So here it clearly states, he he took the Old Testament marriage thing, and he revealed the mystery in it, and the mystery revealed was Christ in us. Amen. Let's go to Matthew. 16, verse 1, I'm going to end off with that. Let me just see, I just want to make sure it's the right. Just share a bit more about the shadow and the way it was used in the Bible. Um... Verse 1, yes, the Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting, desiring him that he would uh, show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said unto them, When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O you hypocrites, you can discern the faces of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and an adulterous nation seeks after a sign. Now why is he saying that? A wicked and adulterous nation seeks after a sign. He talks about marriage again. And adultery. Now he says to the Pharisees, you are in adultery. Now those people may be faithfully married. But he calls them adulterous nation. Seeking for a sign. So what is he actually talking about there? He wanted them to simply believe that he's the Messiah. But now they want a physical sign. And they say, I cannot believe you. I'll have intimacy with you for what you say. But I also want to be intimate with something very physical. So my belief will come through intimacy with the physical and intimacy with your word. It's like the people in the desert. Jesus said, oh God said, I will lead, I'll give you a promised land. No, no, they want meat to fall from, from the sky now. That's the sign they want. Then Jesus comes and says, there's one sign that will be given you. Just one sign. And that one sign is Jonah and the whale. Man will be three days in the belly of the earth. 
and on the third day he will rise again and then there will be a revival. That's the sign. I'll die for you and I'll be raised. That is the sign. And that's enough. So anything we need, what's the sign? What Jesus has done for us. That's the sign. We don't have to go now and say, Lord, if you can take this stone, or this bread and make it a stone, then I can believe that you are the Son of God. Because that is adultery. So he's taking, again, he's talking about adultery. Why is he talking about adultery? Because marriage is just a type and a shadow of the real thing. That's all. Let's put it in the right category. Let's not mess up the sign. And from this revelation live, and we will find great love in our marriage, great revelation in how to love uh, 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 your partner. and what it, You love your wife, you love your, your husband, you will love your kids from this perspective. Because that, that, that child, you will see it in a bigger picture. You will see your wife in the bigger picture. She will see you in the bigger picture. A family and being together. I mean, it says there, how does Christ treat the church? He brings out her beauty by the good words He speaks to her. The good words He speaks to her brings forth submission in her heart. That's just how God made us. God doesn't bring forth beauty in us by putting us through hard times. I don't bring forth beauty in my wife by beating her. In the same way, God doesn't bring forth beauty and commitment and holiness in the church by putting us through hard times. Hard times has never been the teacher of the church. Christ is a teacher through His love, through His commitment. Amen. From that revelation, if we can see this is the shadow, we will live that. That's what Paul came. I think Paul was saying, God, you know, this marriage thing. I mean, if you go and read what, what Jesus said there, let's go there to, to Matthew quickly, Matthew 19 again. There's some other beautiful things there that I missed. And I'll end off now with that. I was just thinking, this is a very important message that we need to, need to understand. Because we've put sexual immorality um, and we've put, put uh, a divorce and those things in a category where we are so condemned, you know, that we can never feel pure. Never in our life. A woman will lose her virginity when she's in school and she'll be married and still live in condemnation until the day she dies because she wasn't married a virgin. But those things are types and shadows. But we've made it the substance of our life. My goodness. That's wrong. We've made purity in the shadow. We've made purity the shadow. And we've determined our purity in the shadow and not in the blood of Jesus. I want to tell you, if you had sexual relationships before you were married, Jesus Christ took away all your sin. All your sin. And those things are shadows of the real thing. Jesus Christ. And our relationship with, and His relationship with us. Which is not an adulterous relationship. He's not today going to have a relationship with you and say, oh, I'm a loving God. And tomorrow He's got a relationship with the law and He comes with His judgment on you. Jesus is not sleeping with the law and sleeping with you. 
He's not trying to bear fruit in your life through condemnation message of laws and rules and regulations and also trying to bear fruit in your, have fruit through the message of grace. He's married to you through the message of grace and His love and that's it. And He's not sleeping around. He's faithful. Hallelujah. So start to see the, the shadow thing for what it is. If you've been, if, if you've, I'm not saying go and sleep around. I'm saying let's use as Christians our bodies to portray the true shadow. To be a true shadow of the truth. By having a revelation of the truth. Amen. And living faithful good lives. But if it has happened, my goodness man. You don't have to every time and I, I thank God we've grown up here. We don't have to every time when, when you... And I mean, I, I said this, this out of counseling and stuff that I see in people's hearts. Feel condemned that when you make love to your wife, that you think, man, I, I, I wish I was a virgin when I got married. Man, the bad stuff has happened. And you have been forgiven. Jesus paid for you. And His declaration, which is the truth is over your life, which is, which is embodied at the right hand of the Father today, is you are pure. You are pure. Get your mind into the new, and you will find the old will fall away. Do you know what Paul said? Paul said, let, let's talk practical about this immorality thing. Paul said, when I came under the law, the law took me captive, sin took me captive and slew me and all types of sexual sin was born in my life. Because I tried to obey God through rules and regulations, I found that that brought forth all the sin in my life. So I want to tell you the reason why many of those things happened to you is because you were enslaved by a condemnation message that brought that forth in your life. That's what Paul said. Paul came to the conclusion that he said in, in Romans, many people said, Matthew, you can't take, you're taking this too far. But Paul said, clearly said, it was not I who sinned, but sin in me. He separated him from his sin. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then he got a conclusion, he came to the conclusion on how to silence and get, uh, get rid of this power that takes you captive. He said, he said that, that sin has got no more power if there is no law. He says, sin shall have no more dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Therefore, you will not live this immoral life. But if it has happened, I want to tell you, the, 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 it was the fruit of sin taking you captive and destroying your life by the law system. It was not you, it was sin in you. And I might get letters over the internet for this, but I don't care. I don't care. This is the revelation Paul had. And this is what he preached. And I want to tell you, let's not take the shadow and make it the end of our life. We need to get rid of the old system. And get into the grace of God. Because only in the grace will we live an absolute holy life. And in church, when it comes to marriage and sexual immorality and all of that, the law is still there. Very big. And the true place and the true position of this has not been portrayed. 
Why does the Bible say in the Old Testament, if somebody rapes somebody else, he must be stoned? It talks about Adam and Eve and Satan coming, forcing down his way through subtlety. Bringing something that the person doesn't really want. And that brings death. It also talks about God's character that will not force himself down on people. Doesn't matter how good he is. It will be by your choice. Because it is violating, the, 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 the type and the shadow of rape is violating the, the truth in heaven where God gives every person a right to choose. Now, in this world, if, 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 if somebody comes and rapes my family or somebody in the church here or whatever, man, I'll be so upset. I will say, lock the guy up. You know? That's the laws of this world. And we can, there are decisions that can be made on that basis. It's got nothing to do with God. But the type and the shadow of that, because maybe you've been raped. Maybe you've been molested. And you are still walking with that. I want to tell you that thing that happened to you has got consequences in this world. But if there's an impurity in your heart between you and God, I want to tell you, man, that thing is just a type and a shadow. It is over. You've been washed. The old has passed away. Everything has become new. Even the way we look at marriage, the way we look at adultery, excuse me, the way we look at all these things. Amen. I know this is challenging and stretching our minds. But we need to go and, you know, we've, we've, when it comes to good works and good fruit, we've trusted the grace of God. And we've seen the grace of God. But when it comes to our marriage, we can also trust the grace of God. And see the fruit of God in our lives. Where there's a love that comes forth that, that's just like overwhelms us. Many times we've been living with such a condemnation. God, why did I do wrong? Why hasn't this thing worked? Or why isn't it working now? I'm trying my best. I want to tell you, don't underestimate the power of His grace. Getting the true grace message. To me, as the leader of the house, I make sure that my wife gets the message of grace. If I find she's very busy, she doesn't have time to listen to a CD or a whatever, then I go at night, you know, and I will sit for half an hour and preach grace to her. I'll do it. That's what I'll do. Because I see, my goodness, you know, she doesn't get time to read the Bible. She's got three boys running around, whatever. Says, Mugh. In the morning when she sits in the bath, I'll sit on the side of the bath and I'll preach grace to her. Preach the gospel. Because that's what she needs. And I, because I know that's the building block of our marriage. For me trying to stay married because God hates divorce. My, good, my goodness, what's the difference between me and a Muslim? Their God also hates divorce. And they stick together. You know? Then I also have to dress my wife up that only a Because God hates divorce, you know, and then I walk all the months weg. Because there's no power. 
You know, like in the Muslim faith, if in, in northern Sudan, if she would take that hat off in public, she would be butchered in public. They'll decapitate her with a, with a pocket knife. Because she took that hat off. Because there's no power in human commitment to each other. You have to use such fear of being slaughtered in front of people to keep people just to stay together. There's no power, man. There's no power. True power in marriage is the revelation of grace. Seeing your marriage as the shadow of the real thing. And for for you to see your marriage as the shadow of the real thing, you first need to understand the real thing. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to tell you, you know, just out of my life, Elena and I, there's many areas where we differ. And I've, I've shared that before. Her way of looking at life is different than my way of looking at life. Je weet, as ek nou vanavond by die huis kom, dan braai ek so my stuk woors aan die kachel. Al braai ek woors, jy nou, wat's woors? In die kachel, wat's die kachel? Not, not, in the fireplace. I like motorbikes, she likes the opera house. I, I look at the, she bought another movie I see it's Fiddler on the, on the Roof you know it's not Rainbow 3 <laughs> it's just different we, we, we just differ in certain things but the moment we start to see the truth and this, the shadow thing we find those differences just disappear it's like mist with the heat of the sun it just disappears you, 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 you're living on a higher level. Amen. All of a sudden those differences is not what, what matters. We are one. You start to feel a love, God's love for your wife. Your wife starts to feel God's love for you and respect. And then, then love and respect and commitment and all those things is not born out of your own willpower by you Biting your lip, overlooking your wife's another mistake. And your husband's mistake. Saying, well, I'm going to try harder. No, no. You find a love. But there's a foundation. I want to tell you that don't underestimate the power of... Maybe your husband will be upset with you. Maybe your wife will be upset with you. But give them a CD, give them a DVD, share some grace with them. In a loving way. Nee, ek ga jou nou verander, jy sien. Jy sal nou hierdie Bertie Brits ouse goed luister. The moment, the moment you say that, he's my enemy, or I'm his enemy, I'm his enemy, I haven't even done anything to him. I haven't said anything bad, I just want to give him grace. But from that perspective, as ammunition, it's not going to work. But just start to see it this way. When you start to see, but the way this guy if, if he doesn't treat me well, the reason why he doesn't do that is because there's no revelation of the truth. Not because he's bad. He doesn't want to be like that. Who wants to shout at his wife every day? There's no such a guy that wants to do it. I tell you now, you don't want to do it. If Elena and I, we've got a fight. Then I stand there, I say, you know, I want to forgive you now, but I can't. 
I want to. I don't want to be angry anymore. I love you so much. Then we'll have an argument. And then I want to cry and she wants to cry. But we're not over the thing still. You know, we don't know how dear be clever. And then sometimes we will just have an argument and look at each other and start to laugh. Because this is just stupid. This is just stupid. But sometimes it's, you don't want to do those things, those fighting and things. You don't want to do it, but there's something. But as your revelation of grace grows, and you start to understand more of who you are, who they are, and what you represent, you find more of the dynamics of the Holy Spirit in your marriage. Really. Codependency starts to fall away. You start to live from the revelation of Christ and not what they do for you. Amen. Hallelujah. I hope this makes sense. I don't want to confuse you guys. Are you blessed or not? <laughs> thank you so much. You know, let's thank you, Jesus. Let's just pray together. You know, maybe you are um, in a relationship at the moment with somebody, and um, uh, you don't know is this the right person, isn't it? Or you you are maybe going through a divorce, or you are have been divorced, or in a marriage and you're struggling with things. I would like to pray for you right now. Father, I want to pray for everybody here that's not married and that's planning to get married and that wants to be married. I thank you for your power, my God, over their lives. I bless them with peace. I bless them with joy. I bless them with a revelation that that person is, is going to be the partner they choose with, with which they're going to be the shadow. They're going to enjoy and love each other with real love, but it's going to be the shadow of the real revelation. Thank you, Lord, that we can know I, I, this is the partner, the person that I love, that I want to be with, that's going to be, and together, we're going to represent the unity and the commitment of God with man, in being one with man, and having fruit and joy. Thank you, Lord, that from that perspective, they'll be looking for somebody. I thank you, Lord, that you just give clarity of mind to every person that's in a relationship, about their relationship and the future of their relationship. Clarity of mind about the holiness of their bodies and what it represents. I thank you, Lord, for every person that has, has been sexually active outside of marriage and, and before they got married, that I can pray for them right now and just, Father, declare innocence over them and purity in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for that, my God. I declare you pure in the name of the God that has saved you from your sins. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I pray also for them for an, an enlightened mind to see the revelation of your grace. Thank you for that, my God. Now, Father, I want to pray for those that, that has been divorced. <clears throat> I also just come in the mighty name of Jesus and I declare you as pure, as forgiven. In the same way as what you were forgiven for not going and offering a turtle dove today at the temple. In the same way you are forgiven of, 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 of breaking the pattern of the shadow. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And the, and, and the marriage you are in, you can see it right now as the 
the, the, the shadow of the real thing and a new dynamic, a new power is just kicking in that, into that marriage right now. A new passion and a life and love that just brings forth uh, uh, the, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your lives. In the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, my Father. Those people that are maybe going through divorces right now, I thank you, Lord, that I can pray for them. In the name of Jesus, even people watching on the internet, thousands of people watching this on the internet, I just declare in the name of Jesus, right now, wisdom and understanding. I thank you, Lord, they can reevaluate this from the perspective of grace. And Lord, as they listen to next week's message, there will be more clarity on what to do. Thank you for that, my God. I want to pray for wives and husbands that, that doesn't know grace, where the one, one party does know grace, that the others will open their hearts and they will start to understand and yield to it in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, these people uh, uh, f- fell in love in the beginning and they got married because they loved each other for no other reason. They just fell in love with each other. They were thinking the other one is the, the nicest person they could ever be to the point they want to share their lives forever. But their lack of revelation brought a lot of hurt. But I thank you, my God, that you bring healing and clarity and peace in the name of Jesus. And just as a whole, I just, in the name of Jesus, remove all condemnation of anything you've done wrong. And I declare that God has come close to every man. He's come close to you. He's removed all your sin. He's washed you as white as snow. And I, 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 I challenge you in the name of Jesus to believe and yield to this gospel and receive with meekness your brand new life which originates out of God loving you and not condemning you. A new life that originates from the holiness of God, from the love of God, from the mercy of God, from a God that doesn't look at your sin, but looks at the finished work of the cross. A new life that comes out of gratitude and the revelation of who you truly are. I declare that life over you in Jesus' mighty name. And this is a new day for you. The old things have passed away. As this revelation has dawned in your heart, a new light has come forth in your heart. And this is a new day for you concerning marriage and relationships. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.